Hi, and welcome to episode 146 of No Crying in Baseball, the Brimley Line episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. You look puzzled. Hey there. Yeah, I'm looking really puzzled because I didn't look at the title before we started talking. I have no fucking clue what the Brimley line is, but I'm I'm betting that you're going to explain it to me really well before the show is over. I can do it right now because it's a quick thing. So okay, Wilford Brimley just passed away at the age of 85. You might remember him as the old geezer in Cocoon, for instance. Oh, yes. And baseball fans will know him as Coach Pop Fisher from The Natural. The Brimley line is, remember how old Wilfred Brimley seemed to be in Cocoon? He was only 50 years, nine months, and a handful of days old. I just had that mind fuck this morning because Mr. Pottymouth read that to me. And he said, I thought he was 85 when he was in Cocoon. And then we did the math and it took us a while. And then we figured out that he was indeed younger than us. When he that, in fact, is the Brimley line. When you turn 50 years, nine months, and a handful of days old, you have crossed the Brimley line. Oh, and we are both the other side of the Brimley line. And now Wilfred Brimley himself is on the other side. And we wish you well, Pop Fisher. Rest in peace. Absolutely. Wow. Movies really do shape us. I've got to go back and look at Cocoon. You know what? Um, Mr. Pottymouth and I watched last night or the night before, one of these days in this pandemic haze, was the movie Sugar. Have you seen that? I don't think so, but I, it's a, it sounds like it's something I've had on a, a sports movie list. Am I right about that? Absolutely. It's about a Dominican baseball player, mm-hmm. and it is fabulous. It is such an amazing window into the experience of a Dominican player coming here for the first time. There's, It's easy to sort of do a spoiler very, very fast. Then stop. So, stop. So, but but the good news is that we bought it so that we can lend it to you somehow. However, those digital things work. I'm sure Very Mr. Nice. Potty Mouth can figure it out. We love our tech support so much. Mm-hmm. On today's show, we welcome Baby Trout. We do some coronavirus math featuring the Marlins and the Cardinals, plus Locaine, Marcakis, and Rob. I am not a quitter, Manfred, and late breaking edition Joanna Cespedes. We've got boyfriend news that's actually pretty happy for a change. We have the return of the Joe Kelly Fight Club pandemic edition. Black Lives Matter across professional sports. Some cross-training with the NHL and the WNBA. And as always, international baseball. From that list, I feel like we're going to be around here for a couple hours. So I'm going to very quickly say congratulations to the Trouts for their new addition to the Trout family, Beckham Aaron Trout, B-A-T, Bat. Everybody has figured that out already. And he already has an entry on Baseball Reference page saying that he was drafted by Mike and Jessica Trout in the first round of the 2020 first-year baby draft. And they didn't actually leave it up like it was down before I started looking for it. But there's lots of screenshots that you can check out. Uh, I hope you all remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Mike Trout and his wife's uh, pledge for suicide prevention awareness in honor of his friend, her brother, who died tragically a couple of years ago by suicide. And I kind of just want to put that out there that they have obviously been very active on this issue. We talked about how they were working with a clothing company to do a symbol that was on suicide awareness. And everything I've seen about how the baby, his middle name, Aaron, was named after his his mom's brother has said just he died tragically. And I feel like I mean, maybe I need to look into this a little bit more before I leap to conclusions, but this needs to be talked about. And I feel like the campaign that they were looking at were say, was trying to raise awareness. And this is a really good opportunity for us all to look at this person, look at the experience and learn from it. So I just want to put that out there a little bit to everybody. And not to get lost in, in the important and the serious, but congratulations on the baby. That, that's a cute yeah. pie for darn sure. Welcome, oh, yeah. welcome. And we'll see if Mike Trout comes back. Do you think he's coming back? Did he come back yet? I, You know, I have not seen anything on that. I really want him not to. I yeah. feel like, you know, it's so important having a baby and being there for your baby and being healthy for your baby. And I not really putting your baby at risk if you can at all help it. Yep. Yep. I, yep. I would love to see him opt out. Hey, so there is so much news in baseball and coronavirus right now that <laughs> oh, I have God. organized it by the numbers. Of course you have. (laughs) I'm calling it coronavirus math, but we're not really doing a lot of, um, you know, formulas or anything here. But here we go. So 
every Friday, MLB reports the outcome of the monitoring testing that it does for the week. And they did they tested 11,895 samples and 29 were positive. That's a 0.2%, which is way better than you know any state or you know the counties that are the hotspots. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's really very good. Except for 20 of those are players and nine are staff members. So as soon as you start allocating them out, then it becomes a problem. 18 games so far have been postponed because of coronavirus. And if you look at the schedule where it says postponed, it will say COVID-19 as opposed to rain. There were three games so far postponed because of rain, and it says so. The other ones say COVID-19. That's a good thing. Yeah, so 18 for COVID-19 and three for rain so far. That's a lot of games to make up and a quickly dwindling number of days left. All right, Marlins numbers. They had 21 positive tests. 18 of them were players. The ones who tested positive had a 17-hour bus ride home to Miami from Philadelphia on like a sleeper bus. Uh, Who drove that bus? I don't know. Um, Right? The The remaining players and staff, the ones who continued to test negative, quarantined for eight days in Philadelphia. And that goes up to today. So they stayed in their hotel. And when you're quarantining, you're not working out. You are staying in your hotel room, right? Mm -hmm. They are heading to Baltimore either today or tomorrow um, to start working out again for a a four-game series in three days that begins on Tuesday. They have already acquired six new pitchers plus a handful of other players to start replacing the guys that are dropping like flies. That's good. I mean, maybe those folks have been able to work out. Like, let's not fuck up any pitcher arms on this. Put those new pitchers in, please. For the Cardinals, they've had four positive tests, plus four that are inconclusive. So those are, you know, we don't know. Those could also be positive. Um, The Cardinals, so both of these teams were on the road when these outbreaks occurred. So the Cardinals were in Milwaukee. So they have spent the last three days quarantined in a hotel in Milwaukee. And they have sent home the folks who tested positive back to St. Louis and then the rest of them are going to fly to Detroit. They're going to fly. They're going to get on an airplane and fly to Detroit on Tuesday for another four games in three days series. That's going to oh combine. That's going to combine some like home and away weirdness. We'll talk about in a second. But because both of these situations involve double headers and there's going to be a boatload of double headers, it's a good time to point out that the players union and MLB agreed that double headers would be seven inning games which is not unusual. The minor leagues do that. You know, lower leagues do that all the time. So people who are freaking out about it, get a hold of yourself. It's fine. Seriously, like there are so many other things to freak out about. Like the fact that all these players are fucking positive and who knows what the contact is and and they're on planes and buses. Like, please, folks, if you have something to freak out about, let's focus that way. Seven innings, what the fuck? They're they're playing baseball. I mean- yeah. And and it's preventing, hopefully, some injuries because injuries mm-hmm. are a big problem. Before this, before the season opened, we said injuries are going to be a problem like strains and pulled muscles and things that that happen because you are not warmed up. You haven't had all like, a month of spring training. You've had a couple of weeks of training, to, you know, back in. So so people are getting hurt and going on the injured list. That's different from the covid list. These are just people who are getting hurt while playing um there's a lot of weirdness about home and away games we just experienced that at nats park because the blue we hosted the blue jays for two games and then we were supposed to go to toronto which as you know canada was smart and said no please stay the hell out of our country so the blue jays eventually theoretically will have buffalo as their home park but it's not ready yet they have to renovate a lot of things so they stayed at nats park and became the home team for the second of those two games. And the cool thing about that was that the people that ran the, um, the crowd sounds switched it over to make it clear that Toronto was the home team. That's so clever. the walk-up music was for Toronto and the cheering was for when Toronto had a good thing happen. And even the seventh inning stretch, they went with that. What is um, uh, okay? Blue Jays, you know, that the, the seventh inning stretch song that they have, they played it. And so the, the Blue Jays, when the series was over, said a big thank you to the Nats for being good hosts, which was really very sweet. And then the Toro- the, the the Blue Jays, who I kind of want to call the Capital Jays when they play here. <laughs> That's right? cute. I yeah. like it. I like so it. They, they couldn't go anywhere because of all of these other problems. Like I think they were supposed to go to Philadelphia or something, and they couldn't because of you know the shutdown there. So they actually stayed in D.C. and they shared, they, they tag-teamed workouts 
with the Nats. So they, they're still in D.C. now. We're recording on Sunday, and then they'll be headed out to their next stop um, on the hit parade. But they couldn't play each other anymore, even though the, the Nationals games were canceled for the weekend, and so were, were Toronto's because they didn't have any more games scheduled against each other. Oh wow! So like like um when the Yankees and, when the Yankees and the O's kind of like juggled because mm-hmm. their independent series were canceled, they played each other because they were scheduled to later and they just rearranged. That didn't work for these guys, so they all just took turns using the park to work out. Well, I'm I'm using my Buffalo Wild Wings koozie in honor of the Jays being in town. So, <laughs> cheers. I like it. All of this is going on. And I want to know, and a lot of people want to know, when does this become an emergency? I think it was an emergency about a week ago. But apparently, Rob, I am not a quitter. Manfred doesn't believe it's an emergency. And in fact, in interviews, he's blaming the players. Of course he is. It may be, in fact, that players did some things wrong. Like they may have gone out somewhere. They may not have worn a mask or whatever. But in that hundred and bazillion page document it doesn't say on your free time you can't do these things or you must do these things it says players Absolutely. must act responsibly there was nothing listed right and so some teams i think are better at maintaining this than others yeah i'm gonna say what john lester said and then i'm gonna say what's my in my brain so john lester who i adore former red sox pitcher current cubs pitcher said i don't know rob's situation and i don't want to put my foot in my mouth on this one But I do know we, not only the players, but families are making sacrifices day in and day out. I'll stop there, which is basically saying we are busting our butts to make this work. And maybe there's something wrong with the guidelines. And so I go back to sort of my point of reference as a teacher. Right. And if I were to say, all right, folks, no cheating on this test. I'm going to trust y'all. I'm going to go out the room down the hall and go get a cup of coffee. What's going to happen? So if you have rules without penalties or enforcements, are those rules going to stick? You have a variety of players from a variety of backgrounds. And some of the rules aren't listed as rules. It says players must act responsibly. And so some players may think that? that how they're behaving, like when they're hanging out in the lobby of the hotel talking to other players, oh, it's just other players. We don't have to have our masks on because they're not told you. They, they, the rule isn't yep. there. It says, you know, be responsible. Yeah. And not everybody understands what how you're supposed to act. I mean, yep. you know, look at my own family. <laughs> you know, I, I think we can each probably rattle off a, a lot of people who we know who have come into contact with and realized, oh, shit, that person doesn't know how to keep distance, that they should have their mask on around another person. And if that's what's happening in normal life, you know, it's going to happen in MLB and sure as fuck is it's going to happen in the public schools, which is what totally freaks me out as a teacher. But it's nice to look at maybe the one good example. So I saw posted, I didn't verify this, but I think that the Cubs might be the only team who haven't had any positive tests at all, either intake or since then. And Will Middlebrooks, who's a former Red Sox player and a frequent tweeter, commented that he thinks it's because of the positive culture that they have. Uh, shout out to y'all Cubs fans. Anthony Rizzo, who's a former baseball boyfriend of mine, that guy that I chose on this podcast a couple of years ago for my Cubs, Cubs dude, he is a cancer survivor and takes health issues very seriously. And maybe that vibe and that respect for him, plus the fact that Dave Ross, who is a former teammate and just all around good guy is now the manager. And maybe he actually knows how to communicate with those guys. And just that club culture maybe has done well for the Cubs. And a good example in the past couple of days, Chris Bryant came down with some sort of stomach bug and came out with it right away and went through the protocol and tested negative. But just that he was totally open. And yes, they're supposed to do that. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, that happened on the Reds as well. There were like Joey Votto, I think today or yesterday, self-reported he had a symptom or two. And so he has to be on the, the COVID list until he's cleared. And he may, it may not be anything. You know, it could be that you just have a really bad headache that day. But I like the example of those guys putting their names out there and saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like Chris Bryant and Joey Votto are seriously respected players and veterans, veteran-ish, and People, I'm hoping that the younger guys will say, okay, they're taking it seriously. I'm going to take it seriously too. Yeah. And, you know, Joey Votto is another baseball boyfriend of mine. 
I, I'm going to say Chris Bryant too. Isn't it terrible how my memory is? So I, I think he might, he might be. Yeah. I think, I think I'm scoring with my baseball boyfriends in normal seasons. These are the guys that we're following. Cause we usually pick. Do we talk about scoring with our boyfriends? Have you been scoring with your boyfriends? That sounds like a, a good thing to do to score with boyfriends. Yeah. I, yeah. We try to say it's not weird and you just made it a little weird. I'm yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't think we did. Yeah. Okay. I, but right. we didn't. We also didn't just do the quick on this episode that what we usually do is pick baseball boyfriends, one guy per team, each of us different guys because they're cool. And obviously, now Rizzo and Vado and Chris Bryant are showing their baseball boyfriend characteristics. So if you're interested about any one of those guys, we have past episodes where we talk all about them. So what do you mean by scoring though? Like keeping track of good deeds? No, I'm. It was it was innuendo, potty mouth. It was mm. innuendo. Oh, okay. It takes me a yeah. while to get that. Although I think I like jumped on it a little bit. <laughs> I so. yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. I yeah, no, no, it was just innuendo. Usually you're quicker about those things. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll take that. I'll take it. Um, one last thing before I go into more boys baseball boyfriends doing well, who I can score with. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> keep up the innuendo is look at what's happened to Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox. Yeah. I mean, the Red Sox, oh my god, are in such a fucking mess now because they've they have no pitching and things are kind of uh scary with them <laughs> as far as just team coming together. And Erod was supposed to be their ace, and he might have permanent heart damage damage because of this. This is like long-term stuff and he's out for the season. So we really shouldn't be fucking around with the health of the players. And we should be rec um, respecting guys who opt out. And if we're going to score with our baseball boyfriends, which I'm totally happy to keep that going on, I think that we should score for our guys who opt out. And uh, my season two baseball boyfriend from the Brewers, Lorenzo Cain, recently opted out and it was sort of like the big splashy headlines because he's fucking awesome. He also has three kids and a wife and he's a, a super nice guy. And he said that it was the best decision for him, his wife and his three kids. And here comes Johnny Lester again saying the, the good thing. And he said, I'll never question a guy like Lorenzo and actually look up that tweet. Cause he said a lot of really nice things about Lorenzo and the whole thing that we shouldn't be questioning these guys. If someone decides to opt out, that's their deal. Respect them for it and back the fuck off because you are not in their shoes. Um, and this happened right after the, the cards kerfuffle that you just mentioned. So the series of the cards is canceled and all of a sudden he's realizing this is the Central League. Like who knows how much this has gone around already. Lorenzo Kane also is both in a pretty cushy position relatively, you know, to the newbies and giving up a lot. So he is in year three of a five-year deal. That gives him some security. It's a five-year, $80 million deal, which also security, right? Um, he is losing, however, $5.92 million, which is his prorated uh, rate out of the $16 million that he would have gotten this year, which shows you already how much of a cut these guys are taking. You know, they're taking a cut. They're trying to play, but he's giving that up too. Um, on the other end of the spectrum is the guy I had picked for the Marlins this year, uh, Isan Diaz. And of course, I didn't realize that I picked him until I saw the headline. So I had to go back into our past episodes <laughs> to look up a little bit about why I picked him. Um, and it turns out I had picked him because he went to the high school that I student taught at in Springfield, oh, Massachusetts. Right. Yeah. Super endearing. And the other really sweet thing about him is in his first outing, which was just last August. So he is a newbie. Just last August, he came up. He hit a home run off of DeGrom in his first outing while his dad was being interviewed in the stands. Oh, yeah, baby. So that, we'll try to link to that past episode if you want to learn about more about Isan because this guy – who's a rookie, right, who is very fragile, is opting out, but he's a Marlin, so read Marlin. So 18 of his teammates are positive, and he's like, uh, let I'm me out get of out of here. Yeah. yeah, so this is remarkable. He's one of the few who wasn't positive. So points, you know, seems like a nice guy. He says, this has been a tough week to see so many of my teammates come down with the virus and to see how quickly it spreads. That's I, that's heart-wrenching. It it's really that is. close, you know? It really is. And, you know, the, this, these kids, they're at their prime and they're missing out mm -hmm. and they're 
I think it's a good decision, but you know, he's losing money. He's losing playing time. I mean, when you are that young, you are trying to get every bit of service time you can. This is going to set him way back. Yeah, absolutely. He's pre-arbitration. He's making the league minimum. Right. 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 Which is a half a million dollars. So, I mean, that's, that's good, but (laughs) still, but he's not going to make it now. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's not going to get it now because he's opting out. So we have this weird thing that happened today. Again, we're recording on Sunday. Um, You may, if you pay attention to social media, you would see that Ioana Cespedes was missing today. And I find it very weird that the Mets put out a statement saying, Hey, we can't find Cespedes. That was so weird. It seems like you would have a statement once you did find him. Like he, Mm Like this happened in the past, but everything's okay because it really did sound nefarious or scary or like, did he, was he in a car accident on his way to the park? So they were all in Atlanta, right? So, um, so the Mets were playing the Atlanta baseball team and Cespedes just didn't show up. And they finally sent security to his hotel room and discovered that he had packed up and left. And apparently he is opting out and didn't actually tell the team he was going to opt out. I've seen only reports that he's opting out, like from the Mets, They've said mm-hmm. that, but we haven't seen, we haven't heard his words yet, but he may still be like on the road somewhere, you know, in transit, trying to get the heck out of Dodge. So he's gone too. He's gone yeah, too. I would love to see his words because, you know, more points for me. He's another former baseball boyfriend of mine. I picked him for the Mets a couple of years ago. And then he's been out of commission for two years because of that bore incident. If you want to hear about that, definitely look up our past episodes when he fell in a hole at his ranch. And he actually had some sort of home run streak that he hit a home run when he had left two years ago and then another one when he came back. Something like that. But, and when um, Potty Mouth says boar, what she means is oh, wild yeah. boar. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Like, think Lord of the Flies. We're not talking about, you know, oh, I'm so bored. Or, you know, yeah. No, it was it was a wild boar. Weirdly, we have an opt-in this week. And I'm very discouraged huh. by this. So Nick Markakis of the Atlanta baseball team opted out after talking to Freddie Freeman when Freddie Freeman thought he was basically going to die. And right. Nick said, this is horrible. I, I have I have three kids at home. I am not playing this year. This is too scary. It's too dangerous. I'm not going to do this. And we cheered for him. And apparently after three weeks, actually less than that, because he had a process for opting back in. After the first five games or something, he's like, oh, my team needs me. I should just go ahead and play uh. some more. And, you know, get the, you know, $24,000 a game or whatever that, um, and my family supports me and I feel terrible about having opted out. He says he's feeling guilty and he's going to apologize to his team. And I am horrified by that because, you know, he had, he made a reasonable decision. He does nothing to apologize for. And, you know, if he wants to come back, he can come back. I'm not saying don't come back, even though I would rather he didn't, but it's your choice. But I don't think you need to apologize to anybody for thinking about your family's health. So weird. We have an opt-in this week. And this is the week where I would think there would be even more opt-outs because of all these outbreaks. Mm -hmm. So I am very confused by this whole thing. Well, we'll see how long the whole thing lasts. I don't know. We have boyfriend news that's got nothing to do with the darn pandemic. Do you think we should tell our listeners happy things about our boyfriends? Sure. I I honestly do feel mixed about this. I haven't been watching a heck of a lot of MLB just because, well, the Red Sox suck. And there's just, it's just hard. It's just hard with so many dynamics, but it's fun at the same time. I think I catch a lot of half games and little notices. And my guy from the White Sox, the, the rookie Luis Robert, um, hit a 415 foot home run, his second one. So I, I, I think he has a bright future. It sucks that this is the season that he's coming out with, but yay, White Sox. One of the crazy things was when Potty Mouth profiled him, we spent a lot of time trying to pronounce his name correctly. And in all the White Sox bits of games that I've watched or reports on baseball that I have listened to or watched, everyone just calls him Robert. They just say Louise or Louise? Robert. Yeah, I just can't buy that. I can't think that he would be able to pronounce it that way, like literally. So well, I'm going to keep saying Robert. And that is wonderful about all that about you. And I think he would probably appreciate that as well. Potty Mouth and I have a couple teams where our boyfriends are pals. This is one of them. The White Sox is one of them. So my White Sox boyfriend, Eloy Jimenez, um, also hit his second home run. He is hitting 381. The second home run was hilarious. He hit it off of the Kansas City center fielder. Oh, my. The center fielder leapt up what? to catch the ball. 
it basically bounced off of his glove and over the wall. Like it would not have been a home run except that it hit his glove and got a bounce. So, so um, Jimenez thanks Starling very much for his assist. But in that game, he and Robert, Robert, I think there's a T at the end. I think it's like Robert, Robert, I think Luis, they, um, he and Eloy Jimenez both had four hits in that particular game and they were both a triple shy of the cycle. And apparently Eloy cursed it by talking to Robert. I can't do it. Robert. Oh, that's horrible. Either way. Yeah. We know who we're talking about. Because he talked about said, Hey, we just need, we just need a triple. So he cursed it. So my guy cursed it. But they, it was the third time in White Sox franchise history that teammates 23 years old or younger had four, each had four hits in one game. Very nice. And they have lots of opportunity. They're going to get cycles. So my Nats boyfriend, Carter Keeboom, um, I used to have um, Anthony Rendon as my my once and future boyfriend. And once he left for the Angels, I decided I would go with our new third baseman. Carter Keeboom is only 22. And he didn't start the first couple of games. He was recovering from an injury. But as soon as he started, he kind of kicked in gear pretty quickly. He's hitting 444. But every time he's at bat, he looks incredibly stressed. He looks Aww. so stressed, and I need him to relax. But he was, in fact, the player of the game on July 30th because he had two hits, two walks, two runs, and he's been playing error-free. And so defense is sexy. His bat is kind of ke- kicking in there, and so yay for Carter. Um, Evan White, uh, my Mariners boyfriend, was, I wasn't sure he was going to play this year. Right, I have a couple guys that were like you know in the minors that I wasn't sure. Evan White came up, and I, that got my attention because um, a friend of ours posted a video that his family made on the occasion of his debut because of the stupid pandemic. Your family can't be in the stands when Aww. you get to the show. And it, I wept. I mean, this was so sweet. It was his siblings, his parents, people telling him how proud we are of you and we wish you could be there. And he has been playing extremely well. He hit his First major league home run a couple of days later, but he's also had really sexy defense. He's been involved in a couple of like web gem double plays. He's been playing first base and I'm really excited that, that he made the show. I've got to check out some highlights. Yep. On the other hand, um, Joey Bart still has not of the giants. Um, and a lot of people are ticked by that. And people suspected huh. that it was because of the service time. Like he had to cross a certain thing. So it wouldn't, you know, but now we're past that. So if he came up, the team would still maintain control over him for a very long time. So come on already. Please call him up. The team is still saying he's not ready, even though all of his veteran teammates are like, yeah, we want Joey Bart, please. Aww. Send the man up. Um, Anthony Santander, I'm sorry, Santander um, of the Orioles, who had was out uh, on the COVID list and with mild symptoms and came back, is lighting it the heck up. He hit a two-run home run off of Blake Snell the other night. He hit, in fact, back-to-back home runs with, I think, um, isn't uh, Severino your O's boyfriend? Yes, he is. Yay, they I get some points. You do get that. And um, uh, he went three for four on Friday. As of this afternoon, the O's swept the Rays. The O's Whoa. sweeping anybody's a big deal. They are over 500. The, the Baltimore Orioles are second only to the hated Yankees, um, second place in the division. But I will say this. The Marlins are also listed as second place in the what? NL East because they've they won two out of the only three games they've played. So it's based wow. on percentage. So I do know there's a caveat there, but I am enjoying seeing the O's closer to the top of the list than at the bottom of the list. And they and won their series against the Red Sox, and Santander was a big part of that, both robbing and hitting. Super fun to watch. Another favorite ex-Red Sox of mine, you know, I don't know, maybe not. It's just for the ent- entertainment <laughs> value, is Joe Kelly and his f- Fight Club version 2.0. So we last left Joe Kelly on this red on this uh, podcast uh, last year. Was it just last year? Before he got traded to the Dodgers the, two years ago. Fuck, uh, all time is getting wonky for me. When he uh, had the interaction with Tyler Austin of the Yankees, and by interaction do you mean altercation? Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay, (laughs) a a punching interaction when he, you know, egged him on to come to the mound, and they had a big fight. And Red Sox Yankees fans love that, and the whole Joe Kelly Fight Club started, and Joe got a bit of a reputation and got traded to the Dodgers. So Astros-Dodgers coming together, you knew something was going to happen. There's been so much uh, Astros hate 
across everybody this year and everybody's waiting for a pot shot to be taken. So something was going to go down. And actually one of the Dodgers um, pitchers, uh, starting pitchers, Ross Stripling in spring training talked about wanting to plunk some Astros. And I just want to be very clear that we do not condone throwing at people or fighting. I am not talking about this to condone it. I'm just uh, talking about it because it is kind of a point of interest because of so many dynamics and so many people involved. So it was last Tuesday, and I'm sure that most of you who are listening have heard about this. Last Tuesday on July 28th, he threw behind Alex Bregman's head. That is bad. I can uncategorically say, do not throw at somebody's head because that is way too dangerous. It's bad for everybody involved. It doesn't matter if the guy's an asshole. It doesn't matter if the guy's a cheater. Do not throw at a guy's head. However, Joe Kelly probably did this. Um, And then to, to add to it, but he doesn't get thrown out. He didn't get called on it. He throws behind Bregman's head. And apparently after that, he threw up on Yuli Gurriel. And then he threw inside to Carlos Correa before striking him out. He strikes Correa out and he does like a a kindergarten pouty face at him. Like a a stupid, stupid, immature kind of like wah-wah thing. He said, nice swing bitch to him en route to the dugout after the strikeout. But nobody called him at that point. There wasn't a flag. There wasn't a warning. I don't think. He didn't get thrown out of the game. Um, Dusty Baker, bless him, apparently during part of this uh, little bit of a breakdown, said, get back on the mound, little fucker. And that was picked up by... That, that was picked up by the um, by the mics. And the, the people calling the game didn't realize it was Dusty Baker and apologized to the listeners and saying, we apologize forever for whoever the potty mouth is. And may I just huh. say... May I just say that got my attention because it was one thing I learned after, I don't know, 20 years of friendship with the potty mouth. Never apologize for the potty mouth. Let the potty mouth fly, man. Do not rain in the potty mouth. I am really, I'm okay with sharing that title with Dusty Baker. I think that's just adorable that Dusty Baker called Joe Kelly a little fucker. I would have called him a little fucker in that situation. Hey, I have a question for you. When, When the nice swing bitch part happened, didn't that, wasn't that when the bench is cleared? Yes. So that was, and I have that in here somewhere, uh, uh, the ringer called it a benches clearing stand around and yell incident, which I thought was a really nice way to put it. So yeah, benches cleared, nobody fought, but that has something to do with how the penalties came down off of this. Joe Kelly got an eight game suspension. And this is the point of like huge internet contention and bickering. Because eight games, when you're talking about a 60-game season, is 13% of the season. And a lot of people are pointing out that Astros players, in fact, got no game suspension for cheating for how long. And Joe Kelly gets eight-game suspension over his pouty mouth, basically. Uh, Well, and possibly throwing at Alex Bregman's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Although Kelly, you know, bless his his foolish little heart, absolutely foolish little heart, just said that my accuracy isn't the best. Oh. Dusty, <laughs> can, can yeah. I just say, you may remember from a few weeks ago the video from uh, from Joe Kelly's backyard when his wife was filming him doing some practice pitching and he completely missed like, you know, the target he and broke a window in his own home. Like the pitch went completely <laughs> wild right. and broke a window. My kid and I have posited that that video may have been a setup. It's like, oh. let's do this because I want to throw at Alex Bregman's head and I want to say, oops. And if I have video evidence that I don't have, you know, good accuracy sometimes, maybe that'll get me off the hook. I think it was staged. That is brilliant. It's also way more conspiracy theory than I usually get, but it's fun to be conspiracy theory oriented around Joe Kelly and his fight club. I would totally buy it. You know, everybody and their grandmother has an, an opinion about Joe Kelly, but I think you guys are the the most spot on. Uh, our friend Sparkles Lance McCullers from the Astros sort of had Joe Kelly called and thought like he was going to do it. He said, we knew that coming into the game that he likes to go off script. 
is how they talk about it. But there's a lot of pitcher, obvious defense of Joe Kelly because everybody's fucking pissed at the Astros, right? So Marcus Stroman, who I adore, basically said, why, why eight? He wasn't even thrown out of the game. Eight-game suspension is crazy. Uh, Clevenger of the Cleveland team <laughs> pointed out the snitch and walk free and still seem confused why everyone is mad about the Astros getting on this. <laughs> I do and- love me some Clevenger. Oh, my God, so much. <laughs> so It's such good hair, too. So good for the grooming. And Trevor Plouffe said he legit got eight games for a boo-boo lip. So that's where I robbed that from. Dave Roberts, who got suspended one game, because of exactly what you were saying before, the bench is clearing, that's not supposed to happen in COVID times. But there's a shitload more stuff that's also not supposed to happen that nobody's doing shit about. But a bunch of guys standing on the field, they felt like they had to give Roberts a, a one game and Dusty got a fine for that. And Roberts, though, his quote kind of has me go, what? He said, I think it's unfortunate, but to spin it. <laughs> So yeah, they're right there. You're spinning it. Uh-huh. I think it's a good thing that we got it out of the way. Nobody got hurt and we can move on and pay, play baseball. Well, no shit. Nobody got hurt. They're not supposed to be fighting. Right. I I, don't, I think you meant and that Alex Bregman did not yeah. actually hit in the head with the ball. I think he believes that one bad pitch towards Bregman's head gets this whole cheating scandal out of the right. way. Right. See, I would believe that if I see happen it. anymore. And, you know, God love them for that. And maybe the Dodgers won't throw at their heads anymore, but there are a lot of people that are pissed. So, you know. Yeah, I really hope not. But Joe Kelly Fan Club is out and mighty again, version 2.0. They have their t shirts. Go get them on the internets. Uh, he has the support of his old Boston friends, including the Bruins, you know, maybe known for a little fighting. Tori Klug said, said Joe Kelly for NL MVP. What I want to say is all of these things can be bad. The Astros cheating can be bad. Joe Kelly throwing at somebody's head can be bad, and an eight game suspension can also be bad. I, the one part that I missed is that he had gotten six games for that Yankee incident. So that's their excuse is already, he already had a six game suspension up to eight, but where's the, nobody did the math. You know, there's a 60 game season. I don't know. Does math come into play? Well, 2.7. I mean, it should have been divided by 2.7, right? Because right. we, we multiply by, actually that's true. We multiply by 2.7. So eight times 2.7 is 16. Like that's oh, almost, that's like 25 games. That would be like a 25 game suspension. Unless you do extra math and do the percentage and then, so what percentage of the season should he have gotten if it were eight games out of the 160, whatever it is. And then that's a lot of math. Right. That would be, that would be the dividing it by the 2.7. Yeah. Yep. 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 So like two games, three games. Yeah. Anyway, um, I want to tell you a nice hockey thing. So hockey's back. They're playing in a bubble. They're playing in Canada because they're in a bubble. They're not going back and forth. So Canada says, okay, as long as when you come here, you stay here and you don't leave this place. So TJ Oshie is my personal favorite Washington capital. And as my kid says, all the moms love TJ Oshie. I don't know what it is about him. He's just a good guy. You know, he's a good guy. We want, we, you know, we would all adopt him. We would all take him in. He has a very specific pregame ritual that involves um, his trainer, tossing him a puck that he catches on his stick and he then sort of juggles it on the stick and off of his skate and shoots it. They do that three times. And then the last time when he's done with it, he flips it like off of his skate into the stands for a fan. He points to a fan and he flips the puck to a fan at the end of his pregame ritual. There are no fans because there are no fans. (laughs) And can I just say he did it anyway. He pointed to a fake fan and he flipped that puck into the stands because you don't mess with a ritual. I love Absolutely. you, TJ Oshie. On behalf of moms everywhere, you're the best. Any cardboard fans out there? No. Are they doing the cardboard thing? I don't no believe they are. Thing? Yeah. I, I have a bad hockey connection because I have one hockey t-shirt. It's a Bruins t-shirt from the last Stanley Cup because my dad does that for me. And it's a Tuka Rask shirt because oh, I'm he, so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And Tuka Rask. So the, the hockey did their Black Lives Matter thing. Everybody's wondering about why they didn't kneel. There's hypotheses about kneeling on skates not being so it's, easy. It's totally possible. My kid says I can do it. They can do it. They're professionals. Oh, they wow. can totally do it. Yeah, that's crap. All right. Well, fuck that. 
I don't know. It's another one of those unity things, which I'm going to talk a little bit um, more about in a second, that they're trying to get behind making all the guys have a fairly nice stand that's not too controversial, yeah. yet still coming in favor of stopping racism in sports. And we all know so, that hockey's got a little bit of a ways to go on that. So are, are we skating a fine line here? Uh, we we uh, sure are. We uh, sure I should are. drink more. I know. Yeah, I should too. I'm, I am out of beer. But Tuka Rask wore, after that, that show of unity, whatever it was, chose to, like you talked about last week with Schwarber, he wore a Boston Police Department hat during an interview. And it's just not the moment to do that above all else. You know, maybe you have friends who are cops. Maybe there's something you want to say about it. It's not the time. It's totally not the time. Read the room. Absolutely. And his teammate, Brad Marchand, right, uh, had a had a reaction tweet on Twitter to somebody who was, who was uh, condemning him for it or criticizing him for it. And he said to this uh, reporter, are you fucking serious? This is why you are part of the problem. So basically saying that the problem is in these reporters or news media or tweeters, whoever, blowing this stuff out of proportion. He since has deleted it and said that it was misinterpreted and just basically didn't want to draw more attention to the issue is how I, I could see it. But I know that your kid must have had a pretty strong take on this. And when my child is available for an interview, we'll talk directly about it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going right. to put words. <laughs> That's totally, totally fair. Sorry about that, child of Patty. Um, power to you, though. Cross-training, though, on a happier note, we talked about WNBA. You mentioned all the cool things that they were doing last week. And Sue Bird, who we know uh, also as being Megan Rapinoe's wife, and... Um, oh, shit. I should have looked up the pronunciation of this. Nika Agwumaiki? Agwumuki? I should. This is terrible that I'm not pronouncing this well. Louise Robert? Yeah, <laughs> I know. And Agwumuke is what it looks like. And I am totally apologizing. I need to do homework on this. There's an article about the two of them dedicating 2020 to social justice. So power to women to just be able to come out there and say, you know, this isn't a performative thing. We are dedicating our time to social justice and not only racial issues, but take note that right now, and I found this shocking, that 4% of sports media is dedicated to covering women's sports, four. four. And 1% of, of sponsorship money is going to dedicated to women have a ways to go. I want to suggest some more reading. So please read that article. It will be linked in the notes. Also read an article called Baseball to Let Unity Stand in the Way of Protest, which I think is a fascinating commentary on some stuff that I talked about last week that I'm now I'm doubting. So is it performative? Is it positive? Where's the line? I think I need to do a lot of listening and reading, but I do recommend that article. I do not recommend uh, supporting the Tampa police, however, because the the one of the criticized performative tweets that I think we talked about last week was when the Rays on opening day tweeted, uh, basically, today is opening day, which means it's a great day to arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor. They were both praised and criticized for that tweet. But now the criticism's coming from the Tampa Bay cops who are threatening to not protect them. And I don't, I should have talked because to Because police reality. get to choose who they protect, apparently. 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 And very defensively, Pinellas Shever- Sheriff Bob, okay, okay I'm going to massacre his name too. So this Waltieri. Is okay. Waltieri, thank you. Threatened to withdraw his officers saying they don't know all the facts and they tweeted this. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. not cool. Not cool. That doesn't sound okay on any ways. Nope. All right. I'm going to go back to happy stuff. There's happy baseball people. Watch happy baseball. So we've been talking about we love these guys in MLB. We have our baseball boyfriends. There's so much to talk about. But there's this ache in following and watching MLB now because there's this risk. But Taiwan has got this thing under control. You can watch B- Breakfast Baseball for free. And I want you to do it soon because I'm losing it because y'all aren't watching. The There are four teams. Last week, we talked about how the brother, the Guardians had pulled their weekend weekday coverage. 
This week, the brothers have pulled their weekday coverage, which is totally fucked up. They're the ones who Dang. won the first half. Right. So we're down to two teams, are, which happen to be the teams that we're both following, you for the monkeys and me for the lions, who are still committed to weekday coverage. But, man, people, it's just like while you're drinking your coffee in the morning, catch a few innings, turn it on. When I am watching, it says that there are like 70 viewers. That is ridiculous. It's free. Right. And it, it's not like it's competing with your major league baseball games because those, <laughs> if you might re realize they could happen in the afternoon, in the evening or late at night, even if they're on a different coast than you are, for instance, but they don't conflict with baseball in Taiwan. And you know, if more MLB games get postponed, you want to get on CPBL now. So you know what the fuck is going on. That's Start right. watching. And my guy, I have a baseball boyfriend over there, Lynn Anko of the Lions, is now officially, as of time of recording, leading the league as a rookie, leading the league in home runs with 21. They de-juiced the balls. So there are not as many home runs this half of the season as there were in the first, but I am uh, cheering for Linanco. The Lions have gone through a lot of adjustments. They just came uh, with another name that I can't fucking pronounce. And I, there's no good way to do this. I'm looking at it. It's Brock. It's either Dixhorn or Dykeshorn. And both of those are problematic. Both of those are porn names. It's just yes, a matter of who the demographic is to watch that particular <laughs> yeah. pornography. That's all I've got to say there. I, and I feel a little guilty about making fun of someone's name. I'm, no, I'm making fun of your pronunciation. That's okay. That's we it. can make fun that's of each it. other. You that's can right. totally it's make not, fun It's not about it. Brock. We can't. We, yeah. 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 And, and you know, with a first name like Brock, too, that kind of fits the whole picture. But I'll just call him Brock. The poor guy, though, apparently he got rushed in because this half season coming in as a foreign pitcher, you don't have a lot of time to get ready. He was in the minors too little time and the Lions needed some fucking pitching. And so they brought him in as a reliever. He's slated to be an opener. They brought him in as a reliever when they were down by one and the first batter, he let up a two run home run and got Ooh. the loss for the game. And I just felt so bad for him, especially after watching this movie, Sugar. Y'all should watch that because it really makes you hugely empathetic for when guys fuck up about how hard they take it. And I really need to keep checking myself to, it just doesn't help to get down on them. What wouldn't it be so much better if we all kind of rallied around him and said, come on, Brock, next time you can do it. Even come though on, you're Brock. Start, you can do it. You're debuting against the brothers. They're the half season champions. I know you can do it. So meanwhile, uh, the lions are in last place so far in the second half of the season, but there've been barely any games and they're all really squished together. The lions are three and four. The guardians are first place four and three and the monkeys and the brothers are hanging in the middle four and four. So people watch CPBL. If you want, you can also watch KBO, which is in Korea. It's less fun because there's less access and it's ESPN, but the dinos that I chose at the beginning of the season are still hanging on first place. And Here's the distressing part for me, though. The heroes are starting to creep up. I think last week the bears were in second place. Creep is an excellent word. Creep? Okay, heroes creep. Yes, the heroes are creeping up. Because they've got a creep, right? Yeah, well, because they, they exactly check you out. You've got all the, this is just going over my head. They have a creep. They have Addison <laughs> fucking Russell, who we talked about in detail. Go back to past episodes. And he made his de debut with him. And he did what I feared he was going to do, which is he did well. Went two for four with two RBIs in a run. The heroes beat the Bears. Launched into second place as opposed to third. And are breathing down my dino's very long necks. So I'm a little concerned about that. Your wyverns are still 23 games back. I'm not concerned about that at all. They're, they're not in last place, though. Still, we have the Eagles 28 games back. So God bless that you, is what's happening in the Asian baseball that I know of. I know there's all sorts of cool stuff going on in Japan, but I only have a limited attention span available these days. And I, I'm super focused on MLB. And even though the games don't take up nearly as much time mm -hmm. as all of the reading and the ranting that I'm doing and paying attention to because so much is going on. And I will tell you this, I, the season's already gone on longer than I thought it would. I thought it would fold up yeah. shop in a week. Um, and yet here we go still, even after two outbreaks, even after health professionals have said it hasn't, you know, it, it shouldn't be happening right now. So 
I don't know if there will be baseball to watch in the evenings this week. I just want to say one more thing about CPBL. They've uh, totally hooked on the baseball boyfriend thing. Literally, the announcers, Richard Wang and Clive Sue, are talking about baseball boyfriends, which I think is fantastic. There's all sorts of talk about who's a good baseball boyfriend, if, if no other you reason. Yeah. You did that. Yeah, that's so proud. Okay. And, and you, you, you all can do that, too. You can write to these guys. You can get shout outs on the air. CPBL is so accessible. All right. I'm off my soapbox. Are you? Okay. All right. And again, so yeah, so that's over your morning coffee. And then, you know, as long as MLB is lasting, there'll be evening baseball to watch. But who knows? Because like I said, 18 games already got postponed. So if you need to fill in your baseball time, because there aren't games when you want to think about baseball, in addition to listening to past episodes of No Crying in Baseball, Potty Mouth and I both want to recommend Colin McHugh's 12-6 podcast, which we've talked about before. He interviews one person for the entire length of the podcast. It's long form interview. And He's a very good interviewer. And the episode that dropped today, he interviews Billy Bean, who is the special assistant to the commissioner and was the um, the diverse, basically like appointed to like oversee diversity and inclusivity in Major League Baseball. And it's a wonderful conversation. I highly recommend it. Absolutely. Um, Other than that, I'm going to be like counting the days and see if what I run out of first baseball t-shirts or days of the major league baseball season. I think um, I'm going to have not, not going to have to do laundry is what I'm saying Um, in in all of this. Um, So in the meantime, no matter how you're spending this week, please um, give us a listen. Tell your friends about us. If you think they'd like to hear us talk about some baseball, find us on social media. Talk to us on Twitter at NCIB podcast. Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B Ball. And folks, we are trying to give away free stuff. Free. Free stuff. Unforgettables. Check out unforgettables.com. If you want a chance to win one for free of your choosing, all you have to do is send an email to info at unforgettables.com. This will be spelled out in our show notes. In the subject line, write No Crying in Baseball. We have only one week left to hit our mark of uh, 50, 50 entries. We are not that close. Everybody just send in an entry. It's a cool thing. All, all you're doing is taking a chance to win something cool. Trust me, really. Until then, please wear your mask. Stay inside when you can. Please fight the man. Oh, my gosh. And say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. <laughs> 